All right, first things first. Mm -hmm. Our previous video this week was filmed literally moments after the big news dropped that former President Donald J. Trump had been indicted for the fourth time this Woo! year. I did everything right and they indicted me. And while this latest indictment shares a lot in common with the third indictment from less than two weeks ago, we might as well take a look at what's in there now that the facts have been out in the wild for a couple days. Mm -hmm. The third indictment, you will recall, was a federal case brought against Trump, accusing him and several co-conspirators of attempting to undermine democracy and steal the 2020 election after Trump lost. And this fourth indictment is about the same thing, but it's at the state level, specifically Georgia. And unlike the third indictment, where the co-conspirators weren't charged or even officially named, in Georgia, they're looking to prosecute a whole posse of Trumpists, including some familiar names. He finally did it. He finally drained the swamp. That's right. <laughs> wow. You, you know, you'd really have to hand it to him. I hope they all, it's like, I hope they get the jail cell like the guys got in Goodfellas where they're just cooking spaghetti together. Oh, it's going to be the best podcast time. you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, so here's the Washington Post with the basics of the case. Trump was charged with 13 counts, including violating the state's racketeering act, soliciting a public officer to violate their oath, conspiring to impersonate a public officer, conspiring to commit forgery in the first degree, and conspiring to file false documents. The historic indictment, the fourth to implicate the former president, follows a two and a half year investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie T. Willis. The probe was launched after audio leaked from a January 2021 phone call during which Trump urged Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to question the validity of thousands of ballots, especially in the heavily Democratic Atlanta area and said he wanted to find the votes to erase his 2020 loss in the state. Willis's investigation quickly expanded to other alleged efforts by Trump or his supporters, including trying to thwart the electoral college process, harassing election workers, spreading false information about the voting process in Georgia, and compromising election equipment in a rural county. That's a lot. He, That's a lot of stuff. Very busy. Very busy doing a lot of bad things. Up to no good. Misbehaving. Uh, the, the worst takes that I've seen on this, and it's not that I don't uh, like get it, I guess. People just being like, all right, we get it. He did all like, it's exhausting. Oh, another one? It's yeah. just, uh, well, this is actually pretty Are important. Are we supposed to prosecute former presidents for all the crimes they commit? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, yes, this is... It is exhausting to see this guy dragged back out into the news every two weeks for another indictment. I love but it. But it's very important that we hold our elected officials <laughs> to, to standards My like favorite this. thing was they're like, oh, so he's been indicted in Georgia, but like, what's stopping like all the seven other states where he supposedly tampered with the election from oh. also indicting him? I'm like, oh, that's a good point. I hadn't yeah, thought should, about that. Yeah, we should that. look into that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anyway, here's more from the article. A total of 41 charges are brought against 19 defendants in the 98-page indictment. Not all face the same counts, but all have been charged with violating the Georgia Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. That's RICO. Yeah. Willis said she has given those charged until August 25th to surrender. Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost, and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. The indictment states, Among those charged are Rudy Giuliani, the former New York mayor who served as Trump's personal attorney after the election, and loves the RICO Act. Mm. Trump's former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, Jeffrey Clark, who was a mid-level Justice Department official, and several Trump advisors, including attorneys John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and Kenneth 
Chesbro. And yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Giuliani kind of uh, pioneered uh, RICO laws like yeah. as soon as they became a thing because those laws were developed because it became uh, the, the mafia became so good at doing mafia stuff that you hard to prosecute. You can't prosecute the head of a mafia uh, outfit because a lot all the crimes are being done by his minions. Yep. So that's where Rico comes in. And uh, yeah, very uh, the ultimate button on this man's life would be uh, him going down in a Rico case. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you saw that list of names. It's basically all the co-conspirators from the third indictment, the ones who weren't officially named, but yeah, very easy to figure out, mm-hmm. who uh, probably thought that they had narrowly avoided justice by not actually being charged in the third indictment. They are, in fact, going to need to lawyer the fuck up and head on down to Georgia, along with a bunch of other goons, because they are prosecuting this criminal conspiracy as an actual criminal conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, and more on that from the article. Willis has signaled for months that she plans to use Georgia's expansive anti-racketeering statutes, which allow prosecutors not only to charge in-state wrongdoing, but to use activities in other states to prove criminal intent in Georgia. The statute is broader than federal law in terms of how prosecutors can define a criminal enterprise or conspiracy. The indictment alleges that the enterprise constituted a criminal organization whose members and associates engaged in various related criminal activities, including, but not limited to, false statements and writings, impersonating a public officer, forgery, filing false documents, influencing witnesses, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, and acts involving theft and perjury. Whew. Uh, the indictment takes an expansive view of the behaviors it alleges were acts in the furtherance of the conspiracy, including, as an example, at least a dozen instances of Trump's tweets alleging fraud and other claims. Such details from the indictment quickly drew criticism as potential violations of the defendant's free speech protections. Oh, so now it's illegal to tweet? Yeah, this is a, it's a wild defense. So, that, yeah, I mean, uh, they had to prove there was absolutely zero intention behind anything that yeah. the president says or does. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just out there saying words that you, you're putting those words together in a pattern that makes you feel as though he's uh, instructing people to commit crimes. Uh, that's on you. For, he was just shooting the shit. Yeah. He's just, he's just shit posting like everyone else. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, are you accusing my client of doing crimes because you understand uh, the English language? Is that what you're trying to say? It, it is funny that people people think the First Amendment means that like you, you just do literally whatever. can yeah. never be nothing you ever say can ever be illegal. Yeah, but yeah, that free speech defense it's definitely going to come into play with a lot of this. Mm-hmm. The indictment spends a lot of time citing Trump's tweets, for example. But yeah, we are going to assume that the inclusion of so many public statements in the indictment is mostly to help illustrate the larger picture mm-hmm. and show the intent behind all of it. Yeah, to the jury. Look yeah. look at how this all worked. He is not being prosecuted for tweeting that the election was stolen. He's mm-hmm. being prosecuted for literally trying to overturn the election. Yes. And also, again, it's not free speech to literally call up a, a state official and ask them to find the exact amount of votes that you need to win an election. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, I never see people bring this up, but it, it reminds me a lot of... Uh, Rod Blagojevich, the oh, former yeah. Chicago governor, who uh, he got he got busted because Obama he tried to sell Obama's seat. Yeah, he tried to sell Obama's because uh, the governor. If if you're a senator, a U.S. senator, and you get elected president, the governor of the state you represented gets to choose your successor. And he mm-hmm. was he was just calling people up, being like, "Look, it's a valuable fucking thing we got here, and I'm not just gonna give it away for free." What? What did I say? What? I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just saying words. Yeah. 
So anyway, as with all the other indictments, this is entirely unprecedented, and time will tell what, if anything, comes of them. But at the very least, the Republican frontrunner for the 2024 election is going to be spending a good chunk of his campaigning season time flying up and down the East Coast for court appearances in four separate criminal cases. And that's pretty wild. Yeah. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Again, this is all very bad for democracy. It's not good. But We are teetering on the edge. Hopefully <laughs> uh, uh, justice is served here because if not, then it is over. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, there are definitely outcomes of this that could be very, very bad. Oh, and the Republicans but, are already signaling like, oh, you want to play this game? We're just going to start bringing everyone up on charges, whether they're completely pointless or not. Yeah, I mean, and they they will. But that's also like, I mean, they had like Hillary Clinton, who obviously I don't have any kind words for Hillary Clinton, but they, you know, they had her going in and out of like Benghazi hearings for like two and a half years. Yeah, and it just it, grinds it, yeah. the actual forward momentum of the entire country's democracy to a halt by con by just using the government to go after both parties from the other party. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. When there's clear crimes being committed here. Uh, well, you know, you know, yeah, def I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. This is pretty obvious. They've got it between the last, the third and the fourth indictment. I mean, pretty clear cut case. Yeah. The first one, eh, the Stormy Daniels one. It's like, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, then there's, the, there's bigger things uh, going this, on currently. The second one, uh, again, also, also very also bad. Got, the second very one, bad, but I mean, they got him dead to rights on that one too. Yeah, it's like, yeah. there's, I don't know how you defend that. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Even though you asked me like a hundred times to please return the top secret documents. Yeah. All very bad. <laughs> um, well, we'll just have to wait and see. I guess so. But let's move on to some tech news, starting with a bunch of AI news. Woo! I think AI news, it's, all, it's almost over because everyone's finally starting to realize, or maybe not, that it was a gimmick. But uh, here we are still. Recently over in Las Vegas, they had their annual DEF CON hacker conference where thousands of elite hackermen show up to basically try and one-up each other at breaking into tech products that they're not supposed to be able to break into and making those tech products do things that they're definitely not supposed to be able to do. And this year, of course, the focus was largely on all the new AI technology that has rapidly emerged in the past 12 months. We've seen endless examples of complete normies getting AI products to misbehave. So hmm, what can the hacking community's best and brightest pull off? Well, here's NPR. Ben Bowman is having a breakthrough. He's just tricked a chatbot into revealing a credit card number it was supposed to keep secret. Wow. It's one of 20 challenges in a first-of-its-kind contest taking place at the annual DEF CON Hacker Conference in Las Vegas. The goal? Get artificial intelligence to go rogue, spouting false claims, made-up facts, racial stereotypes, privacy violations, and a host of other harms. Bowman jumps up from his laptop in a bustling room at the Caesars Forum Convention Center to snap a photo of the current rankings, projected on a large screen for all to see. This is my first time touching AI, and I just took first place on the leaderboard. I'm pretty excited, he smiles. He used a simple tactic to manipulate the AI-powered chatbot. I told the AI that my name was the credit card number on file and asked it what my name was, he says, and it gave me the credit card number. Fantastic. <laughs> well done, AI. Uh, an interesting thing about the AI challenges at this year's DEF CON is that they don't require any actual coding knowledge, but still involve plenty of what has always been a core component of hacking, social engineering. 
Except instead of using a subterfuge to trick people into giving you the information you're seeking, it's AI chatbots being manipulated. And they are clearly a lot dumber than human beings if you know how to use the right words on them. Other challenges included getting a chatbot to give directions on how to stalk someone and getting it to generate disinformation that could influence how people do stuff like vote or file taxes. It sounds like every one of the challenges was accomplished, with some contestants uh, managing to beat all of them. And that's alarming, but also all the big AI companies were there taking notes on how vulnerable their products are and what they need to fix. So yeah, I, I guess that's at least somewhat comforting. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to penetration test your products, which you absolutely should, yeah, uh, this is this is a trial by fire. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have a lot of notes to take back to no, your no, no, no. You don't understand. These investors, they want the results now. Damn it! You think they're gonna want us spending all this time putting guardrails on this AI? I mean, it is funny that in order to make AI safer, like it just does necessarily become worse. Yeah, because it's. I mean, that that's the trade-off. Yeah, it works pretty well at the tasks that it's actually good at when there are no guardrails, but it's also very dangerous and you can't and does stuff that you can't let it do. So you have to fix it. But that inherently makes it worse at the things that it was originally good at. Did you see the people that built an entire social media self-posting platform onto Mastodon? No, it posts like thirty five hundred posts. It's it's like Ugh. it's it's a they basically recreated Twitter. Yeah. On Mastodon, but it's all AI posting nonstop and talking to itself and each other. Reddit did that a few years ago with yeah. like a shittier earlier uh, LLM uh, called uh, it was called Subreddit Simulator. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was. It did. I mean, like if you're like me and you pretty much mostly use Reddit at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> when you have like insomnia, sort of believable. Yeah, it did. It is just like when you're not really reading. Like it does. It, it's very passable. But yeah, but, no, it's, but it's, it's like there nobody's talking. It's just people talking about nothing. Mm -hmm. But it has the has the form of a Reddit thread. Yeah, it's <laughs> it. You can read it, and you're like, yeah, I guess someone will post this. Yeah. So anyway, then again, I mean, this could all just end up simply working itself out, mm -hmm. even if they even if they do fix all these glitches. Uh, last week, the Indian news site First Post published an article predicting that OpenAI, the biggest name in AI behind products like ChatGPT and Dolly, is headed straight to bankruptcy, which seems unlikely given how massively successful their products have been, until you remember how absurdly expensive running that kind of operation actually is. From their reporting, OpenAI, the AI studio that practically started the conversation around AI among regular, non-technical folks, may be in massive trouble. In its bid to become the face of generative AI through their AI chatbot ChatGPT, Sam Altman's AI development studio has put itself in a position where it might have to soon declare bankruptcy as per a report by Analytics India magazine. Apparently it costs OpenAI about $700,000 every day to run just one of its AI services, ChatGPT. As a result, Sam Altman's OpenAI is burning through cash at the moment. Furthermore, despite their attempts to monetize GPT 3.5 and GPT 4, OpenAI is not generating enough revenue to break even at this point. This is leading to an alarming situation. It continues, while OpenAI and ChatGPT opened up to a wild start and had a record-breaking number of signups in its initial days, it has steadily seen its user base decline over the last couple of months. According to SimilarWeb, July 2023 saw its user base drop by 12% compared to June. It went from 1.7 billion users to 1.5 billion users. Do note that this data only shows users who visited the ChatGPT website and does not account for users who are using OpenAI's APIs. 
OpenAI's APIs are also part of the problem. Many companies who were initially discouraging their employees from using ChatGPT are now buying access to OpenAI's APIs and are creating their own AI chatbots in a variety of different workflows. The problem, however, as Analytics India Magazine notes, is that there are several open source LLM models that are free to use and are allowed to be repurposed without any licensing issues. As a result, they can be properly customized and adapted to very specific use case scenarios that an organization might have. In such a case, why would someone choose OpenAI's paid, proprietary, and restricted version over the more adaptable and free-to-use LLAMA2, especially given its potential superiority in specific scenarios? So yeah, I mean, obviously OpenAI crumbling under the weight of its own hype would not mean the end of AI at all. But it would be a pretty huge blow to the industry. They have to let it get racist, like how Twitter is saving itself, you know? <laughs> Twitter was, uh, you know, hanging on by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now, now that we've let people be racist on it and in yeah. fact monetize them doing that. Things are going great. I, I, I did love the take about the, uh, you know how Linda was like, uh, it, we're in a much better position with the company now than we were a year ago. Mm -hmm. Someone was just like, yeah, because X as a company has only been around for like three weeks. <laughs> Technically not lying. Yeah. Hello. But yeah, OpenAI, they've got enough venture capital to keep them afloat for a while, mm -hmm. but... The days of companies like Uber coasting along for an entire decade while bleeding money the entire time uh, may have passed. If people were to have to start paying OpenAI what it actually costs to use their products, at the very least, it would mean that the Wild West era of AI would kind of be over because your average person probably isn't going to want to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars a month to use it. Yeah, it's garbage anyway. <laughs> I mean, when it's a free party trick, sure. Yeah. But, oh, I, you want me to pay money for this? No. But yeah, AI in general is here to stay, regardless of how shitty it is. Mm -hmm. And up in San Francisco, they recently got a good taste of what living in the AI future could be like for the rest of us. Mm. And spoiler alert, it fucking sucks. Here's CBS News. Just one day after it received state approval to expand driverless cars without limits in San Francisco, crews brought traffic to a standstill in one busy neighborhood. Witnesses said there were about 10 driverless cars paralyzed on two narrow streets in North Beach Friday around 11 p.m. It makes me feel horrible because people can die. If there's an emergency, the emergency vehicle cannot come down through. They can't roll through those cars, said longtime North Beach resident Jeffrey Bilbrey. Bilbrey shared video of his view of the traffic jam on Vallejo Street near Grant Avenue. He said the cars were disabled for about 15 minutes. I was warning people because people from out of town did not know these cars didn't have no drivers in them. I was screaming that out my window, he said. On Saturday, Cruz told KPIX that the Outside Lands Music Festival impacted its vehicles. Due to the large event, we had wireless connectivity issues causing delayed connectivity to our vehicles, the company said. We are actively investigating and working on solutions to prevent this from happening again and apologize to those impacted, it continued. Huh. There was a lot of, uh, you know, activity in uh, one of the largest yeah. cities in the country. Hmm. hmm. This, this, our technology specifically does not work when people need it most. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, up in San Francisco, they've had pilot programs for driverless taxis for a while now. And literally every few weeks, you see a video online of something going wrong in a way that would be hilarious if these cars weren't also a huge danger to the unsuspecting public. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, I saw one where uh, a guy used it and it got to his destination, but it wouldn't let him out. It just kept driving. And uh, he eventually had to call the company and... Uh, Hello. They had to drop him off. Please. And then, uh, we've seen a few instances where uh, they're like blowing through stop signs and red lights, or like cops try to pull them over, 
and they'll stop and then take off the second the cop gets out of the car. They're very yep. mischievous. Yeah. But also, if you put a uh, orange traffic cone on their hoods, it, it apparently disables completely them? disables them. Also, people are fucking in them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there was an article this week that was just like, there's already a sex epidemic when it comes to the driverless taxis. Just come all over the seat. Yeah, don't, don't forget like, your yeah, blacklight. If you need like a quick 30-minute hotel, just why not ride around in one? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, uh, right now, California has just given these companies the go-ahead that we, the testing's gone great. You, you can now expand your operations even further. Mm-hmm. And right as that happens, you get entire roads clogged up by robo-taxis that have been bricked because they got too close to a music festival where thousands of people were simultaneously on their phones looking for a way to get home. Yeah, I can't, think of, ironic? A, I can't think of a single scenario where a bunch of cars shutting down and causing uh, horrific traffic backups in an area where people are trying to desperately make phone calls and get out of a certain yeah. area. It's, um, you know... Not to bring 9-11 into this, but imagine something on that level of a tragedy. It doesn't even have to be terrorism. I mean... Uh, Literally anything. San Francisco... Um, Earthquake. Yeah. San uh, Francisco has historically, uh, every hundred years maybe, had uh, just catastrophic earthquakes. And yeah. um, might be due for one. And uh, yeah, it would be, would be not great if... While dealing with that, you also had to deal with roads being blocked by I, stupid cars. I don't want to bring up tragedies, but it, it just so everyone gets the reference of how bad this could be, like, think about a bunch of driverless taxis in Vegas when that mass shooting happened and them all just bricking in the area yeah. and blocking that area to emergency service uh, vehicles and responders. Like, <laughs> guys, hello? Hello? But hey, look, at least... In this case, the cars were mostly just sort of stopped, which is a lot better than what the alternative could have been with given all those people flooding out of Golden Gate Park. Yeah. I've been to Outside Lands. When it's, it's over, a mess when yeah, it's over. People aren't exactly waiting for the crosswalk. It is thousands of people trying to get the fuck out of Golden Gate Park. And yeah, um, yeah I don't know if I would trust one of these cruise cars to yield properly. Yeah. Uh, just... I think we're all getting just a little bit ahead of ourselves with the technology. I think we we kind of peaked in the 2010s, and then we started inventing, like, th- people started thinking about uh, tech in sci-fi terms instead of practical use terms. And it's not really, uh, I think, a benefit to the society we're currently living in. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they're, like, literally trying to eliminate one of the few jobs that uh, people yeah. can actually get. Nowadays, yeah, uh, with no like you know skills across all fields in general, like just the AI. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's like we're living in an era where uh, people are driving Uber and whatnot because it's the only job they can get, and it's like, oh, actually, we're gonna take those jobs too. too. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, give it to these robots. Again, we uh, we are currently living in a a time and place where this is not only not needed, but uh, should be looked down upon greatly. As far as yeah. Look, I love tech. Always have. It's the reason we have a tech show. It's just like, I'm not sure come I on, love it. <laughs> what are what are we doing? Like the world is on fire. The uh, you know people aren't making enough to make rent in any city in the United States, at least the United States and probably the rest of the world. Well, actually, where, the economy is great. Where so you should be happy that the economy is good. Anyone making minimum wage cannot afford a yeah, place no, to live. It's, it's uh, the cost of living is. And, and they're like, okay, well, what if we did uh, driverless cars, but also they got bricked as soon as there was any kind of, like, big event happening nearby. Ah, uh, 
Well, I don't know. At least we're moving fast and breaking things. Yeah, moving fast and bricking things. Yes. There you go. In other AI news, there's already plenty of legal action in the works regarding the copyright implications of large language models just gobbling up human-written text that it uses to learn from. But in the meantime, America's newspaper of record is trying something that will likely get widely adopted and will almost certainly lead to lawsuits further in the future. Here's The Verge. The New York Times has taken preemptive measures to stop its content from being used to train artificial intelligence models. As reported by Adweek, the NYT updated its terms of service on August 3rd to prohibit its content, inclusive of text, photographs, images, audiovisual clips, look and feel, metadata, or compilations from being used in the development of any software program, including but not limited to training a machine learning or artificial intelligence system. Oh, that's cute. It's just like when your Mima posts on Facebook. I do not consent. <laughs> Dear Mr. Zuckerberg. <laughs> Thanks, Mima. Great post. Uh, it continues, the updated terms now also specify that automated tools like website crawlers designed to use, access, or collect such content cannot be used without written permission from the publication. The New York Times says that refusing to comply with these new restrictions could result in unspecified fines or penalties. Despite introducing the new rules to its policy, the publication doesn't appear to have made any changes to its robots.txt, the file that informs search engine crawlers which URLs can be accessed. The move could be in response to a recent update to Google's privacy policy that discloses the search giant may collect public data from the web to train its various AI services, such as BARD or Cloud AI. Many large language models powering popular AI services like OpenAI's ChatGPT are trained on vast data sets that could contain copyrighted or otherwise protected materials scraped from the web without the original creator's permission. So basically, instead of the monumental task of having to prove in a court of law that scraping text data to train an AI is a copyright violation, the New York Times has made it a TOS violation. Getting a little ahead of it. Uh, you, uh, yeah. You've clearly broken the rules. And while proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that an LLM scraped text from the Times might sound difficult, it should actually be pretty easy to demonstrate because these chatbots, they're, they're dumb. Yeah. Something like, uh, write me an article in the style of the New York Times about some topic that the Times is reported on in depth. If the results is similar enough to the Times' actual reporting, that it feels like plagiarism, might be lawsuit mm -hmm. time. So, very exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we, we get to it, but uh, the New York Times being throttled on Twitter as well. Oh, we'll get to okay, it. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, we do have more to get to. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes. Uh, but uh, we also have the latest Elon Musk bullshit. Sorry. Um, but first, we got to let you know that this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Hello. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it is America's number one meal kit. Fall is right around the corner, and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for the busy season ahead with tasty dishes delivered to your door. Simply choose your recipes and pick your delivery date, then lay back and enjoy the last days of summer knowing dinner is covered. Banish the end of summer blues with HelloFresh. No need to stress about how you'll handle it all this fall because HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to your home. So whipping up a homemade meal is a cinch. The key to dinnertime success is variety and HelloFresh keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 chef-crafted recipes to select from every week. 
from family-friendly to fit and wholesome, you'll always find new and exciting recipes to try and love. HelloFresh also owns Green Chef, another one of our sponsors. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's always something for everyone. And we're big fans of taking advantage of the grilling season. Grilling and chilling, my two favorite things. I'll take that grill pill. And <laughs> HelloFresh has no shortage of options for firing up that grill. On next week's HelloFresh menu, we'll be taking their grill pill with the cheesy smashed burgers with Old Bay fries, caramelized onions, and special sauce. And vegan shawarma spice portobello skewers with bell peppers, green beans, lemony rice, and hummus. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Newsday and use code 50Newsday for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that is 50% off plus free shipping by going to HelloFresh.com slash 50Newsday and using code 50Newsday. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And this episode is sponsored by Masterclass. And speaking of grilling, we haven't yet had the chance to try out for ourselves all the master barbecue techniques that we learned from Aaron Franklin's Texas-style barbecue masterclass. But next time we take on the task of spending an entire day smoking some ribs or some brisket, we are definitely going to feel a lot more confident about it. It's always much nicer to do that yeah. in the fall and wintertime than in the dead of summer where you're just Ooh. outside next to a hot grill for, you know, an hour, fine. Especially but eight if, hours straight. Especially if you aren't 100% confident that what you're making is going to be good. <laughs> but if you watch Aaron Franklin's barbecue yeah. masterclass, watching a master at work, uh, it gives you that confidence. Yeah. And that's just one of the many things you can learn to do with Masterclass. Learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. There are over 180 classes to pick from. Everything from game design and theory with industry legend Will Wright, to personal style for everyone with Queer Eyes Tan France, with new classes also added every month. Some exciting instructors include Gordon Ramsay, Malcolm Gladwell, Steve Martin, Dead Mouse. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Martin Scorsese, Samuel L. Jackson, and many more. Annual memberships start at $10 a month, and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insights, and much more. Even as just a consumer, getting a better sense of what goes into something you enjoy is very rewarding, like learning the techniques and skills that go into award-winning documentary filmmaking from Ken Burns. Go from a consumer to a connoisseur, yes. I say. Mm -hmm. Find practical takeaways that you can apply to your life and at work. If you run a business, you can use Masterclass to help your team. Whether you want to become a better chef, advance your career, land a book deal, or anything else, Masterclass has you covered. Gain new skills in as little as 10 minutes, either on your phone, computer, tablet, smart TV, or our preferred method, audio mode. So you can listen on the go, like when you're, I don't know, doing your laundry, going on a walk. Yeah, if you love documentaries, it's a great, great Sitting alone in the dark? <laughs> yeah, driving. Taking a shower. How much would it cost to take one-on-one -on -one classes from the world's best? Wrong. I don't know, a million dollars. Wrong. With Masterclass's <laughs> annual membership, it would only cost you $10 a month. Mm -hmm. Get unlimited access to every class. And right now, as a Tech News Day listener, viewer, whatever, you can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash newsday. That is masterclass.com slash newsday for 15% off an annual membership. Masterclass.com slash newsday. All right, now let's get back into the news with the Elons. <sighs> you guys love it. No. Based on the views, they love it. I guess they do. Uh, yeah, thankfully, we already covered most of his latest bullshit on our previous episode, which you can go watch because we spend a good 20 minutes going through a laundry list timeline of everything that's happened with this big dumb fight. It's also pathetic. It's, pathet it's literally pathetic. He is the biggest loser. Come on down. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so he he is still. And how did that live stream go? You know that live stream he was talking oh, about. Yeah, it was. Hump- yeah, I guess uh, it must have gone great because I haven't heard anything about it. Even if he was, you know, because it seemed like the plan to go to Zuckerberg's house was added on later. So we were at some point still going to get a beautiful yeah. uh, live stream sent straight to X.com uh, of Elon Musk. The, the the figurehead of the company trying out the new full self-driving stuff in in, in Palo Alto. Right. Everyone's excited. How'd it uh, go? No he, idea. He didn't live stream it because Twitter can't live stream video. It's not something you can just turn on. It's also, a, like I mentioned in the other video, I guarantee you he got m- frantic phone calls. Please do right. not demonstrate our full self <laughs> our full self-driving yeah. uh, in a live stream where anything can happen. Yeah. Elon Musk kills a man. Also, please don't dox Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? As an aside, yeah. please don't dox Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's still very bizarrely claiming that Mark Zuckerberg chicken chickened out from fighting him, when in fact that is not at all what happened. <laughs> no. But nevertheless, Elon Simps continued to believe it. The one aberration that I want to point out that is very funny to me is... Please, if you haven't already in the past couple of days, go to the once feverishly uh, just loving Elon Musk subreddit. There's, of course, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, they've, there's they've the, completely turned on him. There's the not enough Musk spam, which is it's uh, anti. Uh, it's anti. No more Musk spam. Yeah, yeah. That's anti Elon Musk, whatever. But the official the one. The official one used to just, even up till, I don't know, a month ago, yeah. you would at least get like, you know, 80% of the comments being supportive and calling you like a doomer or something like that about it. Uh, now it is completely flipped. Well, it's because, like, even back in the day, like, when he was calling people pedophiles, uh, like, they still had, they could still fall back on, like, oh, look, this new Tesla news came out. Like, Yeah, he's just eccentric uh, and weird. But and, like, he hasn't done anything really that noteworthy on the tech side of things for a long time. It's mm-hmm. just all, the, the only reason he is on anyone's radar and in the news is just this erratic fucking behavior. Yeah, uh, owning a company that he has no idea how to run. So you can't you can't be like, oh well, uh, how could he be stupid if? And then there's nothing behind the curtain because Tesla just makes cars like the same cars everyone else fucking makes now. It's, His rockets are like blowing up when he launches them. The the specific the the craziest uh, read was the one about you know him taking the car to Zuckerberg's house. That whole thread was just a ton of people going through their whole life story about looking up to Elon Musk for years and how it was, there were like people writing multi-paragraph things of just like, I used to look up to this guy so much. (laughs) I wanted to model my life after him. He was such an inspiration. And yeah, it is, it is wild seeing specifically that fan club turn. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, uh, our other episode has the full rundown on this very dumb, very expansive timeline. But uh, Elon Musk's pettiness and insecurity, it goes well beyond his feud with Mark Zuckerberg. Are you surprised? He has a lot of the petty things in the fire. Man. Case in point, the free speech king is back at it again. <laughs> Here's the Washington Post. The company formerly known as Twitter, love that, <laughs> yeah. has been slowing the speed with which users could access links to the New York Times, Facebook, and other news organizations and online competitors, a move that appeared targeted at companies that have drawn the ire of owner Elon Musk. Users who clicked a link on Musk's website, now called X, for one of the targeted websites were made to wait about five seconds before seeing the page, according to tests conducted Tuesday by the Washington Post. The delayed websites included X's online rivals Facebook, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Substack, as well as the Reuters Wire Service and The Times. 
All of them have previously been singled out by Musk for ridicule or attack. Yeah, and uh, five seconds doesn't sound like a lot when you're reading about it, but uh, let's just do a test here because it is it is quite the click. Yeah, that's annoying. It is very annoying, especially if you're trying to read some breaking news or anything like that or clicking on multiple articles. Hmm. Uh, their reporting continues. On Tuesday afternoon, hours after this story was first published, X began reversing the throttle on some of the sites, dropping the delay times back to zero. It was unknown if all the throttled websites had normal service restored. The delay affected the t.co domain, a link shortening service that X uses to process every link posted to its website, which is also very funny because it could just... Yeah, there's no... X.co would be oh, uh, yeah. just branding alone. It's still using the Twitter short link when X is already microscopic. Uh, traffic is routed through the domain, allowing X to track and, in this case, throttle activity to the target website, potentially taking away traffic and ad revenue from businesses Musk personally dislikes. The post's analysis found that links to most other sites were unaffected, including those to the Washington Post, Fox News, and social media services such as Mastodon and YouTube, with the shortened links being routed to their final destination in a second or less. A user first flagged the delays early Tuesday on the technology discussion forum Hacker News. So, once again, what a sad, petty man, because mm -hmm. he, literally, he called up an engineer probably at like 4 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and told them to do this because he does not have the coding expertise to do it himself. Yeah. He had to he had to get someone else specifically to do this. Hey. Wouldn't it be funny? Yeah. And then, and probably when this was reported, he's like, oh man, you, you, it's a prank, bro. This oh, is, we got them so good. This is like a throwback <laughs> to the worst case scenario that was, uh, you know, thought of when net the, neutrality? the big net neutrality yeah, fight was happening. literally that. Where it's just like, uh, AT&T doesn't like that you're using Netflix, so they're going to yeah. make it impossibly slow to use. Yeah. Um, bold move. Bold yeah. move on a website that exists uh, with a bunch of people who are very, very the, interested uh, in The tech. online public square. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But some, you know, more public yeah. for some play than others. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Big tech titans revealing themselves to be just as dumb as us mere mortals. Sam Bankman Freed, aka SBF, aka Sam Bank Run Fraud. <laughs> I think that was an Ed Zitron. Uh, <laughs> Good. Pun. Sam Bank Run Fraud is a guy that we haven't talked about a ton on this show, but he is the former CEO of cryptocurrency exchange FTX. And when the cryptocurrency house of cards started crumbling last year, it came to light that FTX was built on a mountain of lies and the people running it were accused of orchestrating one of the largest financial frauds in history. And on top of SBF facing potentially the rest of his life behind bars, he also seems completely incapable of following the tried and true legal defense strategy of just shutting the fuck up while he's out on bail awaiting prosecution. That's his. That's who he is as a person, based yep. on the books that I've read with uh, that document him and yeah. interview him. He will not shut up ever. Yeah, he's given a bunch, like an insane amount of interviews after being arrested, which is bad enough. But, yeah. But now he's managed to get himself locked up behind bars. <laughs> he's going to jail. Yeah. Uh, despite originally being allowed to stay at his parents' house under house arrest. How did that happen? Here's NPR. Sam Bankman-Fried, the former FTX CEO, was ordered to jail on Friday after a judge revoked his bail for alleged witness tampering. The disgraced crypto mogul had been living under house arrest at his parents' home in Palo Alto, California, after posting an eye-popping $250 million bond. 
Bankman-Fried, widely known as SBF, was awaiting a trial set to begin on October 2nd after being charged by the U.S. government last year of orchestrating one of the largest financial frauds in history. The former crypto star faces the prospect of spending the rest of his life in jail if convicted of those charges. But government prosecutors had sought to revoke his bail and have SBF sent to jail until his trial after accusing the FTX founder of witness tampering. Prosecutors accused SBF of leaking private diary entries of his former girlfriend, Carolyn Ellison, to the New York Times. Ellison was the former head of Alameda Research, a hedge fund SBF co-founded. After pleading guilty to fraud charges herself, Ellison was likely to testify against Bankman-Fried in court. It continues, the alleged leak of Ellison's diary, which included reflections on her relationship with Bankman-Fried and some of her professional misgivings, was the last straw for prosecutors. Hours after the Times posted the piece, the prosecution filed a formal request with the judge to modify SBF's bail terms. They argued that by leaking the document, the defendant hoped to portray a key cooperator testifying against him in a poor and inculpatory light. It was an attempt, they said, to intimidate and corruptly persuade Ellison with respect to her upcoming trial testimony, as well as an effort to influence or prevent the testimony of other potential trial witnesses by creating the specter that their most intimate business is at risk of being reported in the press. Prosecutors claimed the article in the Times was the latest in a string of examples of Bankman-Fried flouting the terms of his bail agreement, including talking to other media. Prosecutors highlighted how many conversations the defendant has had with reporters since he was charged. They said Bankman-Fried has participated in more than 1,000 phone calls with journalists, including more than 500 with the author Michael Lewis, who is writing a book about Bankman-Fried. Yeah, just, I, I mean, I've read just recently read Ben McKenzie's book. Yeah, I just book. finished that yesterday. And it's like unprompted SBF just in his DMs, just yeah, hey. singing like a bird. Yeah, well, in a way that was like really funny where he's like, listen, no, FTX, totally on the level, but like, you know who here's, else? here's some yeah. things that might be going on with the other things. And of course, like everything he's saying is like what eventually ends up being true about yeah. himself. Mm -hmm. You know what these Binance guys are up to? No good. But yeah, like uh, similar to Elon Musk, craves attention, but like in a different kind of way where they're he, both under the impression that what they're telling people is going to get them out of trouble and make them look cool in nearly yeah. every scenario. Yeah. It's, and when it's it does, when it literally does the opposite. But yeah, just, uh, I believe it was like, just like a month after he was sent uh, to house arrest, like he got caught using like a VPN to like continue chatting with like other crypto people, which he was specifically told not to do. And Why? It's like, Talking with your friends is illegal. And it's like, <laughs> how did you think that you wouldn't get caught doing this? It's, it's, uh, you're supposed to be this smart guy. But you're kind of a fucking dumbass. But yeah. I guess that's true of a lot of these folks. Yeah. Book smarts, street smarts, they never intersect. And in a lot of ways, uh, they're quite the opposite from each other. Yeah. Uh, so this guy can uh, be as book smart as possible, but be a total fucking idiot when it comes well, to for, dealing with any other issues. For like at least a couple years, uh, you if you're convincing enough, uh, if you put on airs about being yeah. uh, knowing what the fuck you're doing, it's you can do amazing things. Yeah. But eventually... It might catch it, up. It might catch up, yeah. So yeah, SBF could have simply shut the fuck up and enjoyed potentially his last few months of, uh, as a free man at his parents' house playing League of Legends, which he loves, but now he's awaiting trial at Metropolitan Detention Center in New York City a place that's infamous, even among jails, for being a really shitty place to be locked up. And on top of that, here's Insider. For starters, he will be only limited to two peanut butter jelly sandwiches every two weeks while in prison. <laughs> According to the commissary list, Bankman-Fried can only purchase two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at $3.65 each per visit. 
he is only allowed to visit the commissary once every two weeks, per an orientation handbook for inmates. That could be tough for Bankman Freed, a vegan who said he subsisted on peanut butter when he was incarcerated in the Bahamas last year. The inmate orientation handbook said that the prison food service does provide a no-flesh diet, which substitutes the meat portion of meals served, and it's not just food. Bankman Freed is going to lose his access to the internet as inmates are only allowed to possess a radio or MP3 player. That's a vast difference from his house arrest days, where he found a way to use a virtual private network or VPN to mask his web browsing activity. He's going to go through fucking withdrawals. Because, like, it, he, he, like, literally, he's a, he has really, really bad ADHD. And notoriously, back when he was still seen as a genius, they're like, wow, he's taking these important meetings while playing League of Legends. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. But it's like, he literally is addicted to online and, like, very, very bad case of ADHD. He's going to lose his fucking mind in prison only being able to use, like, an iPod Nano and uh, They're going to confiscate that man's fidget spinner. He's he's going to order up one of them butthole telephones <laughs> as quickly as he can. Yeah. Uh, but I, then he's going to, like, tell a guard that he did that. He's like, oh, by the way... By I, the way, I, I'm over here chatting. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was, I was going to be a little upset if there wasn't, like, a vegan or vegetarian option because that is... Yeah, up. no, that, yeah. But it definitely strikes. It, it's good that they allow that. It definitely strikes me though that SBF is the person who would look at a healthy vegetarian or vegan meal and go butter. and go. No, yeah. I can't eat that garbage. Where's my peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich? Yeah, and it's, it's like also, when I, I went vegetarian when I was like 15. Yeah, and all I ate was uh, pizza. <laughs> it was like I'm doing the healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. I, no pepperoni on that pizza. I'm vegetarian. Yeah, and it it all it is also an interesting um, character trait that you see from time to time of like adults whose eating habits uh, have not evolved since they were children. No, it's it's very bad. It <laughs> took me it took me a long time to break that because you know, no pickles, please. Yeah, a lot of a lot of no time, onions. A lot oh. of time spent uh, in just like restaurants and fast food. Yeah, because uh, of the nature of work and just being like, well, I guess I'll get a burger. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, very happy with my current culinary. Expanse options. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, HelloFresh. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, great job, Ding Dong. Yeah. And, by the way, again, we cannot recommend enough picking up actor and crypto-skeptic Ben McKenzie's recent book, Easy Money, if you are interested in further insight into SBF and just the whole cryptocurrency bubble. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a wild read. Or I, it, I, the audiobook's great because he narrates yeah, it, too. He's a great... I mean, he's an actor. He's good <laughs> at it. Um, but, yeah, I, there's a whole section where he goes down to El Salvador to see what, you know, the Bitcoin dream is like in reality and it turns uh, out it's a nightmare <laughs> fucking nightmare yeah, yeah. but Ooh. uh that's our show and we want to once again thank you guys so much for donating to our our maui wildfires fundraiser uh we set the goal at ten thousand dollars we thought that was a lot and not only did it hit 10k in like a day and a half it's now at over twenty thousand dollars more than twice our original goal with still like two or three days to go yeah so Great stuff, guys. The news yeah. the news coming out of Maui is still absolutely horrifying. The death estimates are now at over a thousand deaths, probably. Not confirmed, but those are the estimates. Uh, they're yeah. missing. It's like, yeah, they're dead. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely tragic. But it does feel good to be part of a community that is willing to help out the survivors from afar. You don't need to go there. You can help out with your wallet. And it's right there on the side of the screen. And, yeah, yeah hopefully your donations go a long way towards helping Maui residents during this awful time yeah 
And anyways, here's the part where we ask you to please uh, like the video, leave a comment, subscribe if you're not subscribed, and also check out our previous videos if you haven't already. Click we... the like button right now. I know you forgot. Come on. Click it. Uh, we got this one where we talked about, you know, Elon and Mark, Elon's pathetic attempts at goading Mark Zuckerberg into a backyard practice brawl. And he's still doing it. And also Weekly Weird News, where we talk about a woman getting attacked by a snake and a hawk at the same time. Nature's healing. See you soon for News Dump. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.